3, 1 Thessalonians, and verse 13. Let's keep those in mind that God blessed us morning. Now, we've got to be the Thessalonican church, right? And embrace, embrace them. Hallelujah. Praise God. And verse 12. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one towards another and towards all men, even as we do towards you. To the end, you may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all His saints. Let us praise Jesus right now. Hallelujah. Put some lights on the subject. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth. Every one of us in this building are miracle child. Things you've done in our lives, no human could have done it. We give you all the praise, Jesus. We tell the truth. You have really done these things. And we want to testify about it. I'm glad for everyone in the house of the Lord. And what you did this morning, and you will do tonight, in the name of Jesus, we're waiting on you. Praise God. Maybe see you tonight. It says here, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints. My title tonight is, We're Concerned but not confused. We are concerned, but not confused. You want to start her for the tape? Concerned, but not confused. I said concerned, but not confused. Now, we are in the last days. I'm telling you, and I'm not a prophet, the Bible says, perilous time will come. I'm telling you, it has arrived. Evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We are in the age of troublesome times. We ought to be concerned, but we're not to be confused. And we're living in the time when there are fearful sights and signs and wars and rumors of wars. We are concerned, but we're not confused. We are living a time when nations are rising against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms and governments are being overthrown. Yes, we are concerned, but we are not confused. We're living a time when the economy took a nosedive. It's going towards destruction where money is about to fail. As in Egypt, yes, we are concerned, but we are not confused. We are living in a time when the love of men wax cold. Amen. But we are concerned, but not confused. I want you to know I am concerned that people today no longer respect the Ten Commandments. I am concerned that human lives don't value anything today, that the love of Benny wax cold, but I'm not confused. I am not saying what's this world coming to. I'm asking God, how long will it come to? What he prophesied. Now, when you read the book of Thessalonians, it's a church that Paul says was his crown and joy, and the saints of that church in his day were concerned. But Paul says he did not want them to be confused. And Paul says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Now the word ignorant means ignoramus, means uh, dull, numb, from the head up. <laughs> you just don't know what's going on. You're not making many wise senses or choices. He said, I don't want you to be one of those that are ignorant. And what he's going to do, though, is take his pen up and say, Yes, I realize you're concerned, but I want you not to be confused. He was not addressing the fact that they were concerned. He was addressing the fact that they should not be confused. Now, they hear Paul writes, 
and seek, Paul writes, about the coming of the Lord with His saints. And they realize if He is coming back soon with the saints, but we're still on earth. And we got loved ones in the ground that are dead. How do you reconcile this? They got concern. Are we going to be left behind? And those in the ground, are they going to perish? We are concerned. And so the concern got to Paul. And Paul didn't want their faith to be overthrown like somewhere in uh, Corinth where their faith were overthrown by false teaching that taught that the resurrection had passed. you got to understand, these are pagans who become Christians. So they don't know the prophets of old. And they don't know what Jeremiah and Isaiah said. All they know is what Paul taught them. And <clears throat> no doubt, like Peter said, Paul wrote things and Paul said things. Some things are hard to be understood. And if you don't understand them, you can stumble and fall. And so they want to know clarification from Paul. But said, Paul, we're a little bit confused about the coming of the Lord. Uh, and we missed it. Is it yet to come? Where is it? And so Paul wrote the first epistle to them and said there is a coming of the one that you've never seen in the flesh called Jesus Christ. And when he comes, all the saints are coming with him. Now, if he's coming to earth and we're still here, then did we miss something? Did we miss something? Now, some people don't understand that the first book of Thessalonians and the second talk about two distinct different coming of Jesus Christ. It is important that you understand that those two comings are inoperative right now. And so Paul wrote to them and commended them in chapter 1, 2, and 3 of the evangelistic effort of the church. But the church had been around long enough to people to die and go in the sun. And the, and the thing is, they started to weep and cry and act like everybody did in, 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 their, in their culture, weeping for the dead, weeping for their loved ones who live for God, and now the Lord's going to come. What about those people? Their graves are here. What's going to happen? Now, they didn't have Scripture like we have today to go back to, like the Old Testament Scriptures. All they had was the Apostle Paul teaching. And so Paul wrote in chapter 4, would you go there, of First Thessalonians. I want to point some things out to you, and I hope you go through your Bible, let your thumb get familiar with the pages. Because when God wants you to use you with somebody on the streets, you won't have the screen to look at. You have to take your Bible out or open your heart and, and bring the Scripture out to them. And also, let me ask Pastor Neil. I'm going to say, no, you ought to be a teacher now. You should be telling the folks what it means. Now, Paul, which of those coming are you referring to in verse 13? of chapter 3. Look there very carefully. Which, it says, the saints are coming with them. Now that's consistent with the writing of Jude. Now, this church does not know that Jude wrote an epistle. Jude did not write to them. So they don't know Jude talk about Enoch prophesied. About God coming with 10,000 of his saints with him. So they don't know that. All they know is Paul. That's all they know. That's the only preacher they know. They know there's a church down in Jerusalem somewhere, but the one that feeds them is Apostle Paul with the men that he left behind, and he controlled by letters and by presence. And now there's the coming of the Lord. Now the people lost their faith in Corinth. Paul told Timothy, some have gone shipwrecked. Some have overthrown, have their faith overthrown, because Hymenaeus and Philetus taught that the resurrection was past. That means going to church was hopeless. Now what most of these guys did not know, that Jesus Christ was the first fruit of them that slept. Every Christian that died today 
have gone into the body of Jesus Christ. Now, how big is that body? Don't you ask me. He's bigger than the world. But that was the blessed hope of the Old Testament. The coming of Jesus. And Jesus Christ is the first fruit of them that slept. Now, I showed you before, and I want to show you one more time. One of you men give me a hand here with this chart here. Very quickly. I'm going to show you one more time. Now, what I'm showing you is not common knowledge. Now, I don't know if Paul showed it the way I did it graphically. If there's a flip chart like I have here. But i got a flip chart here. And I'm going to show it to you. And you must understand what I'm trying to show to you. Now, Jesus Christ is the first fruit of them that slept. He is the corn of wheat that fell to the ground and died. Jesus Christ is that corn of wheat that fell to the ground and he died. Alright? And the Bible called the first fruit of them that slept. I'm going to tell you right now, no Christians are in their grave, just their body. Their spirit and their soul has gone back to God. It's with Jesus Christ right now in the third heaven. Please, they're not in a deep coma. They're not being frozen <laughs> in some uh, ice glacier waiting for Christ to wake them up. Please, church, don't even believe that nonsense. Every Christian who died in Christ will be Acts 2.38. They die in Christ. Every person who die outside of Acts 2.38 beliefs and continuance are gone to hell. That's all there is to it. That's where they're gone, to hell. And after hell come judgment. After judgment come the lake of fire. And they will cease to exist. And they will not be allowed to live on the new earth. So when we ask someone to be saved, we're doing them a favor, like Zachary said. It's a favor we're trying to do to them. We're offering them hope. Because if you die in your sins, you're lost. Your sins follow you. And you perish. Remember that, you perish. But when a Christian dies, Paul needs to explain that very clearly to the Thessalonians. The, the final destination of a Christian who leave Mother Earth and seemingly disappear like the sinner and everybody else. Well, Paul said, not so. Not like everybody else. There's something different take place. And to give you an understanding, God gave you the story of a rich man and Lazarus. It was not based on their financial status. It was based on their obedience to the commandments of God. And the Lazarus lived for God, and the other man did not. And when they died, they buried the rich man, and he ended up in hell. I didn't tell the story. Jesus told the story. So it must be true. And Lazarus was taken to the bosom of Abraham, a place of comfort. So right now you know there's a dichotomy here. You don't end up in the same place. You end up where you deserve. Either your sins follow you to judgment, or you send your sin on to judgment. And that's what Lazarus did. He sent his sins on to judgment. So when he got there, there was no sin to follow him, just his treasures in heaven. The rich man had treasure down here and sin with him. When he died, he left his sin, I mean his treasure right here, but his sin followed him. And that's why we have Acts 2.38, Repent in the baptism of Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, that you might be saved. Otherwise you'd be lost. Now, Jesus Christ came. When he died, he went down to the lowest part of the earth. However low that is. Very, very low, Jesus went. And he, Jesus Christ, took all those souls that were in Abraham's bosom, wherever that was, and transferred them from bosom of Abraham to heaven. Hello? And to confirm that he did that, he allowed some of the saints that were being transferred from Abraham's bosom to heaven to live one more time on earth. When Jesus Christ came from the dead, the graves were open. Not all graves, some graves. Graves of believers. Everybody knew it. 
And they saw once dead people walking out of their graves. And they went into the city of Jerusalem. They saw them. That was God's testimony that Jesus Christ did came from the dead. Because not many saw him. He hid himself from many people. But to the disciples, he showed himself for 40 days. Now, he became the first fruit of them that slept. This is what the church in Thessalonica need to understand. Paul came and preached the birth, the crucifixion, and the death of Jesus Christ, and his resurrection. And so, they're concerned how they fit in that resurrection program, and how it deal with Christ's return. They never saw him come the first time. And they don't know if he's going to come a second time, except what Paul told them. So they're concerned. And they're troubled. But Paul said, don't be confused. Concern is all right, but don't be confused. And so now, everybody who sleep in Christ, all the epistles teaches you. Absent from your literal Christian body, you're going to be present with the Lord. Stephen said, the Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. In other words, I'm coming up. Paul said when they stoned him, he ended up into the third heaven called paradise. Heard things, saw things. God told him not to tell anybody what he heard and what he saw. He was sworn to secrecy and never did tell. In other words, he saw living events and hear things that God said must never be spoken. And so he could not do it. And so, but he preached about heaven and said to depart, I mean to die, is far greater than to live on earth. But for your sake, he said, I'm here still that I may preach Christ to people. But Paul said, so you can see, now, the Thessalonians are in what's called the Pentecostal Harvest. Every one of those souls that were concerned when Paul wrote this, you know what happened? They're all now dead. Every one of them. And they cease to exist on Mother Earth. Now they have recognized and realized what Paul always preached to them. Either Paul lied to them or Paul delivered the package. So they live with hope and die in hope that what Paul preached was right. Because they're concerned. And so, they belong to the wheat harvest. So will all of us if we survive to the coming of Jesus Christ for His church. Alright? Now, so you can put this in perspective right here. They belong to the Pentecostal harvest. Going all the world and preach the gospel. It's what Paul did. Chapter 1, 2, and 3 of the first Thessalonians tells you that's what they copied. They continued the apostles' preaching. And they impacted lives. But now they're saying to Paul, now we've been teaching and preaching. Now we want to know what's in this for us. Well, so-and-so died. Sister so-and-so is no longer with us. And uh, you're talking about the imminent coming of Jesus Christ. And we hear your preaching talking about it. But what about them? Are they going to be around? Are they left behind? And so chapter 4 is where Paul left off talking about their evangelistic effort and now talking about their concern, which to them was a little bit confusing. And so now he described in verse 13, put on the screen please, the condition and the status of the dead. Thank you, Brother Moss, for doing that for us. Appreciate that. All right, so on the screen, here it is, the, the condition of the dead. Now, you don't say Christians are dead. It's a wrong term. Christians do not die in God's vocabulary. They just go to sleep. Because death is a judgment. Sleeping is a benefit. So Lazarus sleeps. And uh, Peter said, Billy does well. He said, let's go wake him. He said, why would you want to do that? He does well if he's sleeping. He said, well, I mean, he's dead. Let's go wake him up. 
Hello? And so, verse 13 discussed that. The next thing Paul wanted to explain to them is how they return saints, how the operation process is going to be. He said, but I would not have you ignorant. In other words, I don't want to be confused. Brethren, concerning them which are asleep or them which are dead, put in plain term, that you sorrow not as they do at funerals. As Mary and Martha was doing over Lazarus. Even as others who have no hope. These people are crying for their dead. The dead have no hope and they have no hope. So Paul says, let me put things in perspective for you. Then verse 15 of chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians, he tells them the status of the dead in Christ. For this we say, we the apostle, we Timothy, Titus, I mean Timothy and and Silas and the man called Paul. So this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord. <coughs> Either God spoke to Paul about it, or Paul read scriptures about it from the Old Testament. And there are Bibles for that in the Old Testament, 26th chapter of Isaiah. By the word of the Lord, that we which are alive in the church and remain in the faith, Unto the coming of the Lord, meaning the second coming, shall not prevent them which are asleep. In other words, the church on earth alive does not prevent the church that are under the sword. Now, Jesus Christ shall return. Acts 1.8 says, This same Jesus shall return. They're not talking about a rapture. We're talking about a visible return. He has to be revealed to the world who think he's dead. And they don't know he's alive. We preachers alive and they think we're crazy. Paul preaches alive and Festus and Agrippa laugh at him. And say, you're mad. <laughs> he's dead. <laughs> he won't come back. Now, Paul is explaining that to them that they will not be deceived. So Paul says, I'm going to tell you the sequence of events, the process by which things are going to happen. Now, ladies, when you bake a cake, there are steps you follow. You can't skip a step and make a cake. It just don't work. And the resurrection of the dead saints have to follow a process and a sequence of events. Now, here it is in verse 15. The living shall not prevent those that are dead from being with Jesus. So that's why we use the word, our gathering, unto him nowhere on earth will the devil ever get the chance to see all of us in one place because the church is here there and everywhere but never in one location God always have people that even Elijah was confused and said, well Lord I'm the only one God said not so I got 7,000 don't even know there's one called Obadiah that's next door to you you just don't know it. Alright? And God said in verse 16 of the same book, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, go there please. Church, people want to know this in these last days. They want to know it. Don't be confused. There's going to be a uniting of the dead with the living. And Paul tells us the sequence of events. Because don't forget, they're concerned about but verse 13 of chapter 3. The Lord's coming back with His saints. Well, before He come back with us, we first have to leave here to go with Him. How can God come back with 10,000 of His saints if His saints are down here? There must be a point in time when we left here to join Him and then rendezvous back here. And that's what Paul is trying to explain to them. And so look, in verse 16, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Now, everybody is not going to hear that shout. John 5, let me prove it to you because you don't believe me, I don't think you do. John 5 says, And them that hear shall, shall what? 
I'll tell you right now, you don't know it. My Lord, my God. And them that here shall live. Alright? You go here and uh, in John chapter 5 and verse 24. Very, very I sing to you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. I mean, all you have it right now. And shall not come to condemnation, but is passed from death to life. When you got baptized in Jesus Christ's name, that happened. When you got baptized in Jesus Christ's name, that scripture was fulfilled in your life. You passed from death to life. Instantly. Well, I didn't see it happen. I'm telling you, the Word of God says that. Verse 25. Very, very, I said to you, the hour is coming. So the hour is not yet coming. And now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of what? And they that hear shall, they that hear, those who don't hear, shall not live. Revelation calls it the second resurrection. When all in the grave, huh, shall hear. Now, Jesus Christ described them. He said, they here shall live. But if you read on, he says, the time is coming, in verse 28, when all in the grave, the difference now, so the Thessalonians need to understand, when Jesus Christ descends from heaven, that's not the second coming, but it's a coming for the living and the dead in Christ. And only them that hear His voice. Everybody won't hear the voice. Hello? Just like what he called Samuel and Eli didn't hear the voice. But Samuel heard it. And Samuel said, you called me. He said, I did not call you. Two or three times. Well, the voice is right there. But Eli can't hear because that's not talking to him. Hello? The donkey saw the angel, but Balaam didn't see it. Because God didn't want him to see it. But my sheep know my voice, and they open my voice, right? So Paul is teaching the church here. Let's go back to the scripture. Alright? When the Lord shall descend from heaven... And the dead in Christ shall hear his voice first. You might be shopping. You might be breastfeeding. <laughs> you might be washing clothes. Might be kissing your husband or your wife. You might be doing normal world events. And all of a sudden, just clothes left behind. Like Elijah did. Elijah is talking to Elijah. All of a sudden a chariot came from heaven with fire. Separated them. One left behind and one went up. And while he was going up his clothes fell back. Hello. When Christ was going up his clothes didn't fell off. Because he was holy. Hello. Folks, I want you to get in this. I'm talking about things that are about to happen pretty soon. You ought not to be, I mean, confused. Concern, yes. Concern, yes. But not confused. And so God says, Paul tells them, look, there's going to be, back to the scripture please, chapter 4 and verse 17, that they're going to be, the Lord shall descend from heaven, Right? And we shall be caught up like Enoch was caught up, translated. Or like uh, the man called Elijah went up but in a chariot. But this time, you're not going up in a chariot. You're going to be translated, the Bible says, translated. We shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. You see, that little story you want to make because you have no idea what I'm talking about. 
You have no concept to relate to it. No point of reference. You're streaming by faith to receiving it. But Paul says, in a moment, in the twinkle of an eye, how many fraction of a second is that? Do that here, please. Close your eyes. Slowly. When you blink, every time you blink, you do exactly that. You close it so fast. How many realize that? Your autonomic nerves close your eyes without your permission so fast that all you see is another dark spot. But honey, if I use a fast camera, I can prove to you you close your eyes that often. So if you think your eyes are always open like this, you're wrong. You close your eyes about a million times in a day. I said you close your eyes down. It's not just washing the eyeballs. It's closing your eyes a million times. And God said it's faster than that. Bang! You're gone. No technology, iPod, iPad, or any tweet or tweet or twits or whatever can pick that up. It is just too fast that you won't even have time to change. You won't even have time to make things right with anybody. It's so fast. You came and said, let me pray before we go, Jesus. Let me get my hat, Jesus. He said, when he come, he will not tarry. He'll be gone. And Paul put this, in the twinkle of an eye, he shall be changed from corruptible, that means from this body, to an incorruptible, John says, to a body suited him, like his body. Shall be changed. Mortality swallowed up by immortality. Oh, that excites you, my friend. I feel sorry for you, my friend. If you're close to safety, I feel good about that. They can't stand that. They can't stand that. Hallelujah. You young punks out, they can't stand this. Come on, folks. But we all focus. We know what we're talking about. Hallelujah. Change. Now, you ladies, you know, you always take forever to get changed on the church. It won't be like that. Fast, honey. Bang, bang. You're gone. When he shout, a change took place. That means the grave going to open with rapidity. Hello. When God speaks. In a moment, in the twinkle of an eye, and that's what Paul is trying to teach these people. The change is so rapid, I don't know all the change is going to take place because the body that you have on the same body, the different body, going to be exactly like his body, divine nature body. So God said, the dead rise first, and they're going up before we do. And I can't figure that out. And while they're going up, we start changing to join them. And then we meet them in the sky, and then we round the vu with Jesus Christ. Let me give an example, folks. Let me go to deep theology now. Do you remember Isaac? Isaac? Isaac was in the field, and saw as what? Rebecca coming. He met her halfway. And she met him halfway. We're going to meet him in the sky because no stadium will be big enough to hold us. Church, I am concerned but not confused about the times I'm living in. And Paul said in verse 17 that you must not sorrow as others who have no what? No hope. Now, chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, it says, verse 17, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet them, who's them? The dead people in the clouds, 
Now, I've been there at Pepsi Cloud before. I don't know how you're going to hang on to that. Looks like sure can it to me. You know, you bite your candy, you can't feel nothing. <laughs> you bite your tongue instead of biting something. I get mad at that stuff, I don't bite it all. If I buy something, I want to feel some bone there. Or something good, solid, right? Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet them in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, once you're up there, then you can come back with Him. You can't come back till you first get there. And how do you get there? He just told you how you're going to get there. The Lord going to come down. He's going to shout, Hallelujah! Now, John 14, go there, please. And read one verse, verse 1 and 2. What did he told you and me, church? I know how you guys can see that. I'm like that. My God. You folks don't want to go. Your head is earthly bound. You don't want to go to heaven. This should turn you on. I said, this should turn you on. This is the lively hope. Others who have no hope. This is the church's ultimate goal. That where I am, that where I am, there you may be what? Also, I go to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. Where is Jesus Christ today? When did he go up into heaven? Acts 1 says he went to heaven. So God is trying to teach the church in Thessalonica that look, you're going to one day have to leave this earth. Either by death or by translation. We shall all be changed. In a moment, so if you don't want to die, go, go, go protest right now. Jesus, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. God said, well, I'm boss. I am boss. And I figure which one stay and which one go. That's all that book is trying to tell them. Now, church, you didn't read anything there about tribulation, Antichrist, Mark of the Beast, Strong Illusion, or any such thing. Because there's no association there. But what do you do read? Chapter 5. Let's go to chapter 5. He's concluding. Verse 18 says in chapter 4, I want you now comfort one another. Now church, if I'm going to tell you that we're going to go through great tribulation, there is no comfort in that! You feel comfortable? You think when I see that dentist come with that needle to stick me, I'm going to feel happy? I said, oh, here he comes. Well, I love to see you. Hear about teasers? I tell you, I want him a good bite. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You want, you know, oh, dentist never smiles. They're going to look down that gulf down there and see all those teeth. You don't understand. But folks, how can anybody read Revelation, trumpets and vows, and tell me I am really comforted? How can anybody read Second Peter chapter three and say, I feel comforted? You're trying to tell me you're going to send me in the middle of a war and I shall feel happy about it? Come on, folks. It just don't work that way. But I want to tell you, if you show me a new Jerusalem coming out from heaven and tree of life and rivers of life water, I think I'll be excited. I don't think you're telling me I'm going to meet my treasures in heaven I'll be excited. And so, he is not alarming the church. 
He is comforting the church. He is deflating their fears. And said, comfort one another that there is hope for the dead saint and the living saint because Christ is in charge of both. Hallelujah! We are buried with Him in baptism. Did you know when I pull you up on the water? Come here, come here, come here, come here, Zach, come here. I want to show you something here. You folks don't know this. And this is the first thing you learn in your life. Come up here, please. I said, Zachary, I now baptize you in Jesus Christ's name. You know what I'm doing? I just put you on the cross. When I say, I baptize you, right? You understand? I literally put him in a cemetery. I buried him. He's now a dead man. He's dead as could be. And when I lift him up, you know what I did? He just was in the rapture. I raised him up through faith in the operation. That was his resurrection. You already by proxy been resurrected. As if you were dead. Thank you. And this is what Paul is trying to teach him. We are buried with him. <coughs> so our, our body is hidden in Christ. Can I prove it to you? Isaiah 26. Go ahead please. Very quickly. Church, is this alright? Church, we are on the verge of a world breakthrough. A thing going to happen pretty soon. <coughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let me find scripture here. In the book of Isaiah 26 and verse 19. And 19, it says what? Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body. Shall they arise. You can't rise without Christ rising with you. We have hope in this life and the life to come. Now, church, don't let people confuse you in our ranks or outside of our ranks with pre-trim, mid-trim, no-trim, pan, pan out. That's garbage! Either God has a plan or He doesn't have one. And the Bible is telling you and me right now that you are not appointed to wrath. There is no wrath in chapter 4. Read there. Please go there, please. In chapter 5 and verse 1, 1 Thessalonians, He said, You know the season. Look at folks. Seasons mean these. Hello? The body season. The wheat season. Are you with me? The fig season and the grape season. What season are we in right now? We're in the wheat season. The barley season was when Jesus Christ was around. He died and became the first fruit. Are you with me? In the Pentecost season, amen, we're the first fruit unto God and then it spread throughout the world. Is that right? When this season is closed, then he's going to go to the what? The fig season, when the fig tree blossoms, contrary to Abacus speaking, the fig tree is going to blossom. And when that season closes, God's going to come the second time and show Himself. And the grape season starts where He will trample it underfoot. Oh, church, if you know what we're talking about right now, I'm telling you, folks, I'm trying to tell you right now, we are concerned but not confused. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes, we're concerned about the times, but we're not confused about the times because we understand the seasons. Amen. So the time and the season, brethren, you have no need to run up to you. Why? Verse 2, because it shall come as a thief in the night. Hello? How many of you ever watch a farmer sit down and wait for the barley to go from green to white. You just never see it. All you know is when morning to wake up, it's what? Already white. That's how a thief comes. You know what a thief does? He watches you go to the bank and watch your pattern. 
and he knows when you come and when you go. And he's got his plot planned to rob you. He knows when and how to do it. The word thief in the night means Christ is watching this world. And watch your pattern. As in the days of Noah. And when they least expect it, he's going to show up at the most inopportune time. You're going to catch him unprepared. But it said, church, that's not so. In verse 2, chapter 5, it says, a thief in the night. And then it said, when they cry peace and safety, the words cry, they're not you. You know there'll be no peace. And you know there'll be no safety. Because they don't have the prince of peace or the king of peace. There can be no peace treaty in our world except Jesus Christ is the author of it. Is that right? Amen. I'm hurrying on here, folks. Say with me. Is this okay? Amen. Are they crying peace and safety right now? Of course. I hope Israel don't sign on peace treaty in April. That could be the final, last one, all of them. I don't know. I'm concerned, but I'm not confused. I'm not confused about Gog and Magog, Russia, rising up. But I'm concerned. I'm not confused by United States making all the errors. I'm just concerned. I'm not confused because she's the eagle in Revelation. Hello. I'm not confused by the leopard being Germany. Amen. Doing what she's doing in Europe. Amen. And forming the ECM. I'm concerned but not confused. I'm not confused that the Pope, amen, is that white horse rider that's supposed to take over the world. I'm not, con I'm not confused, but I'm concerned. And I'm not cons confused that Ishmael is that dark pale rider. Hello? Who's conquering the world with death and hell. But I'm concerned. Church, I'm trying to tell you we are in interesting times. Come on. The weather is changing. Nations are changing. Kingdoms are toppling. Churches are falling. But the church still remain alive and remain. In spite of it all, the church is moving on. Yes, I'm concerned, but I'm not confused. I'm concerned they can't find that shit, but I'm not confused. Is this all right? Oh, come on, beloved. Paul said to the church, don't be confounded or be fooled. When they cry peace and safety, verse 3, sudden destruction. Now look at verse 4. He's talking to the church of Thessalonica, which I think you much very well are. I believe you're like that church. I believe you have all the properties of that church. I believe you're it. Verse 5. But you are all children of the light. That means light means enlightened ones. And you're of the day. You're not of the night. I mean, you're not fooled by what's going on. You're not saying, what's this world coming to? You're saying, just like Jesus said it. Why are you concerned? Because souls are lost. But you're not confused why these things are happening. Because these things must need come to pass. You're in the light. You understand. Verse 6 says what? We are not like them that are in the what? Dark. And we're sober. We're watching. We're waiting. We're praying. Why? Verse 6 says, You are of the light, not the dark. Amen. And we don't sleep as others are. And we are sober. That means we're not so drunk on worldliness that we can't tell what time it is. When the angel walked into Sodom, did people know it? No. You know who knew it? Lot. When no one on the ark, did the world knew it? No. But no one knew it. When the church is about to rise, will this church know it? Yes. Will the world know it? No. Because they said, all things continued as they were from the beginning. They said there is no change. In spite of the flood, the fire, forest fire, the weather pattern, fearful sight in the sky, coup d'etat, and nation, national unrest, in spite of all that, why are they saying all things continue? Here's why. Because in verse 8 to 9, 
You're spoiled trying to teach these guys because these guys don't know. He said, look, in verse 8 to 9, Let's thou sleep as others do, who sleep at night, we're not in the dark, that that day come and catch you on a I've got preachers for that talk to, and they minimize the signs of the times. Oh, Neil, you just, you, you study too much. You're way off field somewhere. It's just greenhouse effect. Hello? It's just greenhouse effect. Is it really? Oh, it's just politics again. No. When you see these things, don't be confused. When you hear the China rising up, when you hear the Moscow's doing things, when you hear that Germany is saying things, when England is flexing her muscle, and the United States' wings are being clipped, and the world is in an uproar, don't be confused. Be concerned, but don't be confused. Say, it's coming to pass. As the Lord saith, these are the signs of the times, and the church shall be ready, comforting one another. Maranatha, the Lord cometh. Are you ready? Do you have oil in your lamp? Are you trimming your lamp? Do you have your garment on? I'm trying to tell somebody, it's time to be ready. In other words, a lot of our patriarchs have died recently. And they're gone. And I'm not worried for them because I know they got hope. We are the church of Salah. And here's the beautiful part God says, I did not appoint you unto wrath. Come on, church. God, verse 9 says, Read it, church. Please read it. Now, chapter, chapter, first Thessalonians chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4 does not mention Antichrist. Does not mention the beast. There is a reason for it. It's not that they forgot it. It's just not a part of the program. It's about the catching away of the church to be with Jesus Christ. You want these days, the Holy Ghost that make you dance and jump, you're really trying to jump out of your skin. That's what you're trying to do. Every time you jump, God says, stay in the skin, don't leave. Stay in the skin, don't leave. When you dance and run and shout, God says, don't take off. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You're off the runaway. Stay right here. It's not time yet. And you jump and you jump and you shout. And the body gets worked up on your wound and you're tired. Ooh. But when you glorify your body, come, friend, you're going to kick it right off and take off. Well, come on, somebody. Why can't you guys see this? Why can't you guys get excited about this? Now, I'm going to be a quick synopsis here and finish off on this. Yes, sir. I can come back to this later on. Second Thessalonians, go there very quickly, church. Very quickly, go there very quickly. The entire chapter, the entire book, is dealing not with the rapture. It's dealing with the second coming. The revelation of Jesus Christ. The revealing and the unveiling of the Antichrist, who he is. The showing of the false churches. Hello? And the final return of Jesus Christ with his saints. To take vengeance on a time called Great Tribulation. If you can't see that, then you are confused. Not only are you concerned, but you're confused. But Pastor is not confused. I'm concerned, but I'm not confused. Let me tell you this in closing. In chapter 1, it read about the persecution of the believers. And God says in chapter 2, on 2, I will take revenge. Vengeance is mine. I will take revenge for the, against those who persecute you and give you a hard time. It says in verse 8 and 9, chapter 1, I'm going to take revenge of those who know not God and obey not the gospel. Two reasons why they're going to beat them up. They don't know Him, and they have to obey the gospel, and they hurt you. And God says, it's a time of what? Vengeance. It's a time of what? Verse 8, vengeance. It's a time of punishment. 
when Jesus Christ is revealed with 10,000 of his saints. Verse 10, he's coming to be admired by his saints. We're going to watch him as he does it. And we're going to admire the Lion of Judah as he roars. I said, he's going to roar. No longer a lamb. He's a lion. Chapter 2 and verse 1. He began to say, don't be confused. There is a gathering together to God, and then there is a gathering, amen, which is a lot different. Let's look at it here, folks. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto Him. In other words, we're going to be raptured to Him. He's coming for us, and gather us to Him. Why gather us? Because we're all over the world. In every nation. Here in tongue. Once He does that, what happened next? What happened next, church? Verse 2. Don't be shaken in mind or be troubled in spirit or word or letter at all for because they have Christ at hand in the word. Don't be upset because Christ is coming. It's no threat to you. You're coming with Him. Riding on white horses. When the sky opened up, you're going to be there, honey. In chapter 19 of Revelation, you're going to be there with Him. When did he get to heaven? Chapter 4 of Revelation said you caught to heaven. You went to heaven in Revelation chapter 4. And you were in the throne room in chapter 5. And chapter 6 you watched him open the seals. And you watched him judge the earth with all the trumpets and the vines of the seals. He said don't you be worried. Because what's going to happen? Don't be confused. He said verse 3, let no man deceive you. Don't be deceived. Huh? Don't be deceived. Because... You see a falling away. The falling away is telling you we are at the door for this to happen. You know how they fall away? They change the Bible, the real Bible. They change how to be saved. They change the oneness of God. They change the apostles' doctrine, the one Lord, the one faith, one baptism. That's falling away. That's what it means. All right. Once that happens, the next thing, the man of sin will be revealed. What they're trying to say is Christ. Jesus cannot come the second time until the mass backsliding of the churches. Followed by a man called the man of sin. <coughs> who will make himself God and oppose the true God. And the backsliding church are going to follow this man of iniquity, the mystery of iniquity. Hey, it's in the book here. Paul explained to them the mystery of iniquity means rebellion. Hello? Now, he said, look, the day of Christ cannot come, or second coming will not take place until these things happen first. So we know Christ cannot come right now, second coming, until the Antichrist is revealed. And you should not be here when it's revealed. If you're here, you'll miss the rapture. Hello? He said, then, that wicked shall be revealed... The mystery of iniquity, verse 7 and 8. Amen. Come on, church, stay with me. Verse 9. He's coming after the working of Satan. So he prefaced Jesus. He come before Jesus and came to be the Messiah, sit in God's temple in Jerusalem, say he's God. The world believe him, and the backsliders believe him, and those who love truth, because God sent him strong delusion. Now, a strong delusion is almost like a revelation, but it's a revelation in reverse. Some guy got some weird idea. Like Balaam. Remember Balaam? Balaam went to pray and God said, don't go. What did he do? He went to pray one more time and God said, go. Now he's on the delusion. The first time he had a revelation. Now he's a delusion. That God told him to go. God did say go, but to kill him. Huh? Ahab had a delusion. God said, I want to send all those backslidden Pentecostals who are lukewarm and indifferent are going to turn to a reprobate mind and be deceived because they didn't love the truth. And I'm going to give them Satan. It says in verse 9, with all the signs and wonders and miracles, because of my, what a mighty God, like Sam and the sauce, let's all stand. And they're going to believe this guy's of God. I want to tell you, church, if you don't love a God-called preacher, you're going to end up with something else. If you don't love the, the faith and the gospel and the doctrine, God will send you something else. And if you don't want this truth, God will send you error. He will. 
A lot of folks in town, they are sure they're saved. They say, I know I'm saved. And you know they're not saved. They haven't obeyed the gospel. Hello? And so Paul is saying to the, to the Thessalonians, don't confuse the coming for the church and the coming to judge the world. The day of Christ is coming to judge the world. Hello? And then he said, now, hallelujah, hallelujah, in chapter 2, and verse 2, don't be shaken in mind. Verse 3, don't fall, there has to be a fall away first. Mass sin is revealed. He claimed to be God. The restraining of the Holy Ghost will be taken out of the way. Verse 6, verse 7, the iniquity is working already. When the Holy Ghost is gone, in verse 7, then now in verse 8, the Antichrist will be revealed. And then one is revealed, Satan will empower him as in Revelation for seven years. In verse 10, and when he comes and do dirty works, then Jesus comes. In other words, don't be afraid when you hear I said Christ is coming. First, He's coming for His saints. And then He's coming back for the saints to judge the world. He says, I go prepare a place for you, and if I go, I'll come again and receive you unto my... We call that the rapture. That word is not in the Bible. Call what Paul called it, the translating. We shall all be changed in a moment. Now, that's what God come to tell you right now, church. I believe the missing plane. I feel bad for the families and all those who were affected biologically and familiar-wise. But I believe it's a forerunner of preparing the world for the absence of the church from earth and the vain looking for us and can't find us. All the technology can't explain why we're missing. All the false prophet won't know why. It won't be a UFO. It'll be caught up to meet the Lord. So when you read chapter 1, Amen, in, in each book, there are different times. Amen. The first book is for the coming of the church. The second one about the coming of the Lord to judge the world. There's no world judgment in chapter the first Thessalonians, but there's judgment in the second one. Is that true or not? God's going to judge the world. Let's worship God right now. Hallelujah. Wars and strife on every hand as violence still yet some people doubt you'll ever come Again, but the word of God is true. He redeemed his chosen few. Don't look back. Soon of Jesus coming again. Oh, signs of the time. Are everywhere There's a brand new feeling in the air and Lift up your hearts Upon the eastern sky Time are 
said to the apostle to write that you be no more children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine and the sight of men's hands but that you be established in the faith and if you're not established my friend they overthrew the faith of some and told them the resurrection had passed some said there was no resurrection and there are men today that will tell you your Bible is outdated. What you believe right now is history. It's not coming. But I'm going to tell you, friend, that church of Thessalonica, Paul said, I don't mind you being concerned. But don't be confused. Don't be confused. Understand the divine order of events. Put them in perspective and know where you are in the time frame of what's going on. And says, comfort each other with this. Lord, we thank you right now. Yes.